0: I'm Scott Farber, As you can tell, the light isn't working quite right on me today. But the good-looking guy in the good-looking hat over there with the historic history, my good buddy, Larry Mallory. Now, Larry, I know you lived about 15 years in Europe and in uh, Africa uh, as a businessman after you left the NFL. Right. You've got a ton of friends out there. We had Dr. Obama on the show a couple of years ago. Did I say that right? It was, it was close. It was, it was yeah, close. It. yeah, you say it now. Ukboma. Yeah, like they're going to know who's right, you or me.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ukboma. Well, the doctor was on a couple of years ago, and I know you're in contact with him still. Now, in this country, we don't really pay attention to what's going on in uh, countries around the world. But you always told me that in Europe, they're very interested in following the United States. Now I looked a little bit yesterday, and, and I see that was the headline, was the Trump indictment.
1: What are your friends in Europe telling you? Well, uh, they're actually just following it right now. Uh, they believe that that the United States is a place of influence, and they believe that the United States is a place of capitalism. So if you have influence and money, you might not get the same type of treatment in the legal system or in any system than someone with money and with connections. Right. So the people that I've interacted with, they're kind of just watching. You know, the thing, though, is that they're watching because they've always had such respect for our system, uh, you know, for our opportunity and our structure. And they might not be saying that to me, but I do believe that that they're questioning it behind, you know, is is America the same one that I've always wanted to go to and always wanted to be a part of? So it it is impacting the implication and the influence of us
0: globally. Yeah, and I think you're uh, so smart not to say which way they're leaning in everything, because we don't want to get into that. We'll leave that to the cable news people to fight over a
1: uh, uh, well, And you know, you know, Scott, honestly, I, I, I felt as I watched the news and stuff here, sometimes I feel, wow, I'm, I'm sort of happy I'm here and not there. Because, you know, if, 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 if I was there, I could be getting some pushback, you know, that, uh, that I would be uncomfortable.
0: Right, right. Well, you know, and also, too, as you know, I had predicted, you know, just in our conversations that there would be no violence, Uh, really no protesting. I think the country has a little bit of fatigue from all of this. But also, too, I felt that, you know, at the insurrection, uh, I don't think anybody really wanted anybody to die. Uh, and, and some people did. And I think uh, uh, the people involved in the insurrection, a lot of people went to jail. And I don't think anybody wants that, you know, uh, because the people went to jail. Their, their regular lives really took a blow. You know, they lost their jobs, they lost their homes. You know, so I, I think. Families. Yeah, so I think I, I I think the country is more of you know, we might not agree on politics, but boy, we sure root for the same uh, football team. So you know, all, all is good. You, you know, you know what I mean. I, I think that I think the country is starting to go. You know, we got we gotta to stay together as a country and as a group and everything. So I don't think there's gonna be any violence. Um, uh, we just all kind of hope that whatever is supposed to be just should be happening, and and then we go on, you know. And and we always talk about football, but we just had opening day in baseball, switching gears and getting us out of there before we get in trouble. Um, and I and I think I, I shared with you and probably on a podcast a few years ago how it was the Texas Rangers were getting ready to be in their very first World Series. And I flipped on, and I was in the car driving, and I flipped on sports radio talking about Tony Romo here in Dallas as opposed to the Rangers going into their first World Series in two hours from from that moment. So we know that at least here in Texas, we are a very football uh, country. But there's something magical about opening day in baseball. Do, Do you
1: feel that? Do you think that way? Oh, definitely, without a doubt. You know, it in baseball, and and I, I heard I got this from a guy years and years ago. He said, "Man, when folks go to baseball, they look at the game, but they have more fun with each other than they do looking at the game <laughs> because yeah. the game is so long. You know, it's right. it's a nice little period of time. So everybody comes in, uh, not intoxicated and leaves intoxicated. <laughs> okay, quit promoting." Uh,
0: Well, you you know, that's true because, you know, uh, um, growing up in Chicago, Wrigley Field always was then. And now Wrigley Field's an event. You know, the product that the Cubs were giving for when I was a kid wasn't that special. You know, we had Ernie Banks and then Ronnie and Billy Williams. We had some good players, but we never won. Wrigley Field is an event that's, you know, during the day, businessmen would sneak out, take the afternoon off, go to the ball game, Going to Wrigley, having a beer, like you say, and uh, uh, the game itself wasn't quite as important as the uh, as the event of going. So I just think baseball is is something to go to all the time. That's fun, um, but I think Opening Day. I don't know what it is, but we all look forward to Opening Day. It it's maybe it's a renewing. I don't know. You know, it's a long winter is over. Maybe that's it. You know, but there's something very very special about Opening Day. And we don't really feel that anywhere else. We get excited about football, um, but there's something about that opening day in baseball that I think uh, brings brings out the. I guess it's spring and and whatnot. All right, so it's Masters Golf Weekend starts tomorrow from the time we tape this. The generation in golf has made the complete flip. It's no longer Ernie Ells and and uh, uh, you know Tiger, of course, or Phil or Vijay Singh. You know, it's the, it's the new crowd. It's the Shefflers, the Rory's, the Roms, the Xander Schuffler's, Victor Hovland. You know, names we really aren't fully aware of yet, you know, that are taking over golf. When you look these guys up, except for Rory, they're still all in their 20s. You, you know, Spieth and uh, Justin Thomas at 29, they're, they're the old guys of that, you know, generational flip. So we got the Masters going on. So how are you seeing it uh, this weekend? Who are you seeing emerging and becoming a winner?
1: Well, you know, I like how you open that because, um, you know, not only do we have more athletic guys playing golf now, the equipment has changed tremendously. You know, it's almost like now in the older days, you had a, a standard type of professional equipment. Now they're making the equipment to align specifically to your body. Right. You know, so that player. Yeah, to so that particular player. And I think that's, that's 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 made a big difference. At one point, I was thinking that golf was getting better. I'd be watching guys like uh Scotty Shepler or John Rong, you know, and it had moved from guys being uh wide receivers and defensive backs to linebackers. Oh, <laughs> right. And, uh, but because of the, because of the uh, adjusted the equipment standard, it's keeping the small guys, you know, in the same levels with the bigger guys. So, well, you know, too, I think they've adjusted the golf
0: courses. You know, they move the tees back. You know, they, they make it where it's a little bit harder to get it into the correct place on the fairway. You know, they, you know, they make it where if you make a little bit of a mistake, you're in trouble, you know, type thing. But golf, to me, is still from 125 yards out. And I don't know how much the equipment, you know, makes a difference. You still have to have that short game. You
1: know, and not all of the big bombers have it. And that's why they don't win. You have to have that short game. And plus now, the structure of the courses are forcing you to have a very challenging green. Right. You know, a lot of traps around it. There's there's not a, hot, a whole bunch of flat greens anymore. <laughs> no oh my gosh! You know when you look at these greens and the triple breaks side of it everything. yeah, you
0: know, uh, um, and and it's also too it's the golf courses are harder to walk now. They take a wear and tear on you, like they were talking about. The Masters is a very difficult course to walk because of all the the way the land is laid out. You know, up and down, up and down, climbing the hill, then going down into the valley, climbing back up the hill. You know, it's not easy, and people don't realize that that walking is a
1: huge part of the game. Are they going to allow? Uh, are they going to allow Tiger Woods to ride him a car? When her, when when he
0: can't pick up the ball anymore and has to walk off the course, he'll take yeah. him on a car. No, he's
1: got to walk. He has to walk the term.
0: Yeah, okay. he's got to walk. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Do you think Tiger's even going to be... Is he going to make the
1: cut? He made the cut last year. I don't know. I'll I tell you, it, it's competitive. It's a tough sport right now, and he's not in the best condition. So, you know, bottom line is, we, we, we wish the best for him. Uh, but I think, think Tiger's going to make the right decision. I think Tiger is going to make the cut. He's not going to
0: win. But I think he's going to play better than a lot of people expect. That guy just has such a will to win. They're showing statistics. I know it used to be higher because the last few years he doesn't win and he keeps when he keeps playing. Yeah. But I he still is at twenty two percent of the tournaments that he's played in, he's won. Twenty two percent. You know it used to be, I think in his heyday it was twenty seven percent. But it's twenty two percent that still he still goes out and wins every fifth tournament, you know, on, on that statistic. I think around ten percent maybe is the next best. You know, I, I'm not sure about that, so don't quote me on that. But I think, you know, if one guy can hang in there and make the cut,
1: it'll be it'll be Tiger. You know, uh um And you know, I like how you put that too, because Tiger also has been a motivation for the next level of golfers. Oh, every everybody playing against will tell you
0: they grew up, you know, watching here. You know. I mean, you know, he's 47. They're all in there. They're all 27. That's right. That's right. You, you know, so, you know, Tiger was in his middle 30s when they were interested in golf. So, you know, um, and it's getting to the point where the guys coming into the game now don't remember Tiger playing at all, if you think of it. They're really young, aren't they? <laughs> well, that's, that's right. I mean, I mean, think of the kids in college now. Yeah. You, you know, uh, um Ten years ago, they were eight, you know. Yeah, that's right. I, I, don't, I don't know if they were watching Tiger at that point. So it's just interesting to see that changeover. Now, with the live golfers in there, do you think there's going to be anything? Do you think the players are going to care? They're, or are they just going to play?
1: Honestly, I, I just think they're going to play.
0: I yeah, know. I I mean, I think they got to worry about themselves, not the, who went and played in the live golf. You know the live golf i know those guys are paid a lot of money to go play and you always talk about it's a capitalistic society but there's so few tournaments are they going to be able to compete in the masters like the guys that have been playing every week
1: well you know the pga is is pretty powerful right however however i think that that golf globally is growing at such a pace that we might have a PGA Masters and an LIV Masters. <laughs>
0: well, no, no, we may, but you know, but, but my point that I that I'm uh, I'm thinking about is Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson are not playing nearly the uh, competitive golf that that Scottie Scheffler is playing now. There's just no tournaments in the Live Golf for them to be playing, and I know they all practice and everything, but we hear it all the time by the announcers: practice isn't the same is the tournament with all the pressures, you know, on the tournament, you know, and I'm sure, like you talk about Tiger, I'm sure he practices a lot from a golf cart, you know, and that's very different than walking the golf course. So I'm really interested to see how, you know, Dustin Johnson or uh, Bill Mickelson or any of the guys from Live Golf, how well they hold up, you know, uh, uh, in the tournament. We'll see if any of them are in contention at the end. All right, let, let's bring Scott and uh, Zeke in for a little trivia. All this talk in golf, uh, I'm going to give them a couple of easy golf questions because I'd like to g- them to get a trivia question correct every every uh, six months or so. The answer is Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah hey, you're wrong. No. Um, but that's a good answer. All right. All right, Zeke, I'm going to let you go first. Who has the most... Major win is in what's that number? Is it not Tiger? <laughs> <laughs> uh, is Tiger is Tiger your final answer? You may be right. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna say yes. I, I can't think of who else would have more. Um. Yeah, I'll, I'll say Tiger, and I'll I have no idea, but I'll say uh, say. Say three hundred. <laughs> okay. The Majors are only four a year.
1: Oh so, yeah, right.
0: Yeah, you're thinking of uh PGA tour victories. What about yeah. the, which is the Masters, the US Open, the British Open, and uh the PGA? All right, then we'll go with uh we'll go with thirteen. Now Larry, this shows you how old we are when he can't think of anybody else beyond Tigers. But Tiger, right? Yeah. So the answer was Jack Nicholas with eighteen. Okay. Scott Scott's claiming he knows it, but I don't believe him either.
1: That's the only other golfer I
0: was thinking of when you asked the question. Yeah. He's the old good guy, and Tiger's the the new good guy. You know, like and, T- and Tiger is fifth Tiger has fifteen. Now, when Tiger started out, they actually thought he was going to wind up with about twenty five uh, major wins because he was winning everything as a young kid. But it got harder, and they started getting injured. I was so in- Jack has 18, Tiger has 15. Jack, now, Larry, let me ask you this, Larry. Jack has 30-something second-place finishes in majors. So to me, that's not a good positive. That's kind of a negative to me that the best golfer of that era, arguably the best golfer ever, you know, it's between uh-huh. him and Tiger, obviously. But How does he come in second place so much and not beat the
1: guy? Well, but Scott... It is golf, you (laughs) And and he had And it is Jack Nicholas. Right. He has come in first place a lot. (laughs) But the money that you get from finishing just one to ten is is crazy. Oh yeah, but when
0: when, when Jack was golfing though, the money wasn't quite the same. It wasn't twice the same. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not even anywhere near the same. I mean, I remember when a big payday was hundred and eighty thousand for the first place finisher in golf you know, in Jack's era, you know, yeah. and then when he started, I think it was probably around 5,000, you know, Jack Manning never got to that 180,000, uh, plateau, you know, uh, uh, it wasn't, Jack Nicholas. if, if we Google how much his earnings were, they were probably under 5 million, you know, they do that now on a weekend, Zeke's Correct. right now for us, so yeah, what were Jack Nicholas's total earnings? His total career earnings were one point one five billion. What? One point one five million? Billion. No, that's not his earnings. That's probably his uh like net worth. Uh, on the PGA that is his current net
1: estimated net worth. Yeah. Yes. On the PGA tour, he made five point seven million.
0: Yeah. See, they don't make their money in golf back then. They'd make it in course I mean, was- every yeah. You know. But so he made five million in his career. Jeffler got 4.5 million for winning a tournament two weeks ago. Yeah, that's right. All, right. all right, let's give Scott is dying for his. You know, all right, Scott. This answer will blow your mind now. So think carefully before you just jump. Oh, okay. Who has the most Master wins? Uh, you know, I'm going to go between Tiger and Jack Nicholas. Uh,
1: I'm going to go with Tiger because he won three or one in three different decades, which I think is a record. Or maybe it was four different decades.
0: So the winner in both categories today was Jack Nicholas. Oh, OK. Second place again is Tiger. Jack had six master wins. Tiger's had five master wins. So Tiger could still technically catch him, but we don't, you know, think that's gonna happen anymore. Now, I think Tiger is probably
1: the best golfer ever. What what do you say, Larry? I I have him I have him up there. I I think he's one of the best golfers ever. Well. well, we know he's one of the best. Yeah. But go out on a limb, either the best or not the best.
0: <laughs> I mean I mean it's clearly between him and Jack. There's no there's no you know, you know, real old timers will say Sam Sneed, because Sam Sneed has more wins on the tour than, uh, than uh, Jack did, but doesn't have anywhere near the majors.
1: Sneed, Calmer, Nicholas, and Woods. Yeah, yeah,
0: and that, yeah, you know, and then, but I think it's Tiger just because of all those crazy records, like he didn't miss a cut for I don't know how many years. And he was number one. You know, they didn't do the ratings back when Jack was, gol- you know, golfing. But Tiger was number one in the world for five years or something, you know. Um, and his percentage of victories every time he teed up, you know, were just off the charts. Uh, but he and Jack, it's, it's, you know, I, if somebody says it's Jack, I, I couldn't really argue. You know, it's probably because uh, I was a Nicholas fan and then you become a big Tiger fan. You know, so like Scott always says, it's generational. You know, <laughs> yeah. and, I always, and Larry always says it's, it's about the money and the equipment. That's right. <laughs> the equipment is generational too, though, so there's overlap there. You know? Yes, there's over- <laughs> overlap. All right, well, let's take this home, guys. Thank you. I thought you both were going to get something right today. We were closed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, play there, but not quite over the board. All right, we'll see you guys later. All right, Larry. Moving on before we have to wrap up, Larry. Today, now, now you know we talk about Tiger and and uh, Jack in golf. So now the big arguments and that are going to go back and forth are LeBron and Michael, you know, for basketball.
1: Yeah.
0: Do you, now I know I know it. You know they're you know they're they're up there obviously, but do you have a, a number one basketball player
1: still of all time. Well, the first thing came came to mind honestly was how old. How old the person is that we ask that question, because you know, Michael was a superstar and LeBron was a superstar, but in different eras a little bit. Absolutely, you know, and so, you know,
0: and then the older you get, the more you get forgotten. I mean, Wilt Chamberlain's never in a conversation. He's never, that's true, and and the young look people at don't it. know anything about Wilt, still... and and you know, look at his stats. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Will Chamberlain that also played for the Harlem Globetrotters. Just a little side note. Oscar Rob. they don't know any of those guys that we... Yeah, Oscar Robinson, well, you know, and and <laughs> Bill Russell, on right, on, right on down the line. This, yeah. I'm saying, you know, Babe Ruth is the only superstar that really stood the test of time. You know, because he's still considered the greatest baseball player. And I say the argument can't even be made because he won 94 games as a pitcher also. So there's nobody else that's going to hit 700 homers and win 94 games. You know, uh, You know, Shohei came to the major leagues, and I think he's already 29. So he would have a long way to go to catch Babe Ruth in those categories. He might do it, but, you know, I don't see it yet. You know, uh, uh, of course, he has the advantage. You know, Babe, when he pitched, he pitched. Shohei gets to be a DH and then pitch, you, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Maybe had a pitch, and he didn't play at all. You know when he was uh, pitching his first few years. All right, Larry. Before we go today, I just wanted uh, you know I was I looked at uh, a TV show that um, that you did about uh, several years ago about CTE, and you had uh, Cindy Fiesel and Kimberly Archer, ac- activists for uh, CTE, on the show, and it was a great show. I, I even called you and said, Larry. I can't I, I can't believe I remember, you know, how good you were on that program. Thank you. Um CTE now, is there any updates? It kind of just went into the
1: background again. We don't talk about it much. Now we haven't. Um sorry about that, but we're gonna have a, um I don't know what it was it called. It was called a a forum. They're gonna have a CTE forum. Uh, and I think about two months. And the Players Association of the Union is going to be responsible. They're going to bring doctors in and we can ask questions and let them know, you know, what state we are and how much we can remember and can't and go from there. So that, I look forward to that. And then I'll update you as it gets close.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. So I, I remind people, you know, they need to go to generationsbroadcasting.com and uh uh, go under the TV show category and watch that program. It was very, very interesting. And all right, so Larry, I think we're we're going to wrap up. I'm picking Michael. You, of course, you know, talk you know your way through it. Where you're not going to pick a guy, <laughs> LeBron or Michael. I know you don't want to upset the young kids and say Michael. You know, you know, like Scott and Zeke who never heard of Michael Jordan. So that you know that's okay too. I, I, it's I heard of him. I heard of him. Uh, See the guy on the shoes. <laughs> shut up (laughs) all right so uh we'll see see you next time for scott and zivi he's larry mallory i'm scott farber take care everyone take care
1: now kim what, what what's the message that we need to get out to as many parents and as many youth as possible
0: i think for me the simplest way to describe it to parents is i will often say um you know you only get one brain there's no such thing as a tough brain you know say we put our kids in sports to toughen them up but i'll ask parents you know do you have a smartphone of course we all have one um could i hit it 500 times not very hard though and they all say no well then why would you sign your child up to hit their head or to take impacts more times than you would hit your smartphone in a year Uh, your child is, is sensitive or more sensitive than a smartphone and you can't
1: get a new one